good afternoon, Earthlings. We are here. We are ready to go, New Hope Radio. Thank you for joining me today. Maybe you're on the radio. 1590 AM dial, WARV. Thank you for that. 92.7. Also, and uh, don't forget Facebook and YouTube on New Hope Radio. So we like coming at you as many ways as we can because, let's face it, people have different ways to listen, and that's good. And we're glad that you're listening to us today. Good topic. This is a topic today that every Christian and non-Christian should hear. So it's not too late. Get a friend to listen. Non-Christian, get him to listen. Christian, get him to listen. Because these are the things that we need to know. These are the things that really impact our Christian life. Well, as I'm monitoring our online broadcast, it looks like our Wi-Fi is kind of weak today. I don't know if it's coming across, but thankfully we're on the radio. So uh, if the Wi-Fi is not working, switch over to uh, WARV.net. You can stream the program also. Okay, now last time we were together, we noted how Jesus brought the salvation of man and some of the benefits that came from his death. Wonderful things that he did for us. Things that we need to know. And we noted yesterday that he was a substitute for us as sinners, provided redemption from the slave market of sin, reconciled us back to God, satisfied the wrath of God, overthrew the power of the sin nature, boom, boom, bing, bang, boom. Today we're going to see more benefits from the death of Christ. Well, I think we're online. Doreen is here, so we're glad of that. Now we know we're functioning. Okay, glad of that. So what are some of the other benefits of Christ's death? What are the things that we can look forward to? Because we know that Jesus loved us and he died for us. I'll tell you what, if you know those two things, that he loved you and died for you, that can make a big difference in your personal life. It certainly will. Oh, yeah. Aleska's joining us, too. Okay, we are ready to roll. Thank you, everybody, for coming on board today. So let's take a look at some of the things that we benefit from because of the death of Christ. Number one, it brought the end of the law. Remember the law? The law was like the Ten Commandments that God gave, said, here, do these things and it'll protect you as a person, as a family, as a society, and as a nation. And by the way, if you keep the law, you'll be saved. But you know what happened? No one could keep the law. No one could. And in John chapter 1, verse 17, the law was given through Moses. Oh, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's the beauty right there. Yeah, Moses brought the law. Now, who's Moses? You might know Moses by another name. Holy Moses. (laughs) Remember that name? Holy Moses. Wow. Well, you know, Moses is an Egyptian name. It's an Egyptian name. And it means to draw forth out of the water. And he was named that because, remember when his mom put him in a little basket, sent him down the Nile River because Pharaoh, man, he's going to kill all the baby boys. So she said, like, Let me put him in a basket, send him down the river. Someone will pick him up and adopt him and raise him. It's Pharaoh's daughter. Talk about 
a divine design. That was awesome. So finally, Moses left Egypt and he met God and he became the deliverer for the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses was God's messenger and he gave him the law. And because the law was given through Moses, it was called the Mosaic Law. Now, he didn't originate it. He didn't write it. He received it from God, and he gave it to Israel. Now, years later, the Apostle Paul comes on the scene, and he says, Now, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. He says, No, Christ now is the end of the law, that no one could keep the law, but Jesus did. Wow. He kept the law. It's amazing. He never sinned. He never violated any aspect of the law. And remember this, he did it as a human being. Wow, as a man. And he's the end of the law. Now, two ways Christ is the end of the law. Number one, he fulfilled the purpose and the goal of the law. How did he do it? Like I said, he lived a perfect life. He also demonstrated no one else could do it. We couldn't do this. I couldn't go a day without violating some aspect of the law. I know I couldn't. Jesus went 33 years. I'm like, man, how did he do that? Unbelievable. You know how we did it? Sold out for the Father. That's all. He loved the Father more than anybody. And he stayed faithful. Maybe that's a key for us. Maybe that'll help us to stay faithful. Love God. The more you love God, the more faithful you will be to him. Second thing Jesus did, he demonstrated that the law is powerless to save. Matter of fact, it only condemns. The law tells us we're no good. <laughs> That's good news, right? Romans 7, 9, Paul said, and here's the great apostle. He says, I was once alive apart from the law. Oh, before the law came, I thought I was doing great. But when the commandment came, sin came alive in me and I died. Why? Because now we had a standard, a perfect, holy standard. And he realized, oh, this standard's too high. That's why he says, thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ, because he did for all of us what we could not do for ourselves. So what's the purpose of the law then? It's to bring us to the one who could fulfill the law. That's all. You know what Paul said in Galatians 3? That the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. He's our tutor. This is a picture of back in the first century, a wealthy family would have a guide, a tutor, that would take the child to school. He'd walk him to school like a school bus and then go and get him and bring him home. But the job of the tutor was to bring him to school. So Paul is saying the job of the law is to lead us to Christ. It's to show us that, yeah, we need a Savior. That's why. Janine's on board, and she said, yes. When you love God, it's easier to be faithful. And by the way, she added something, which is true. You can love others. It's so true. You know what? If you can love God more, you'll love people more. That's why I like interacting. I always learn stuff when I interact with people online. Deborah Canetta Aiken is watching. Thank you. She's, you know, a love. Get some comments going because we like to interact a little bit. 
Jesus did what we could not do ourselves. So you think of the law. The law, the purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ so we could find hope. And then he said, but that now, that faith has come, we're no longer under the law. See, we don't live by the law, we live by faith. Faith pleases God. You want to be pleasing to God? Live by faith. It's the new, oh, I like this. Faith is the new means of attaining righteousness. Think about that. What is faith? It's the new means of attaining righteousness. Earlier, people tried to use the law and never worked. But now faith, faith will do it. Paul said in Romans 3.20, By the works of the law, forget about it. No flesh will be justified. Forget about it. No one is going to be justified by keeping the law. Why? Because no one can. We can't do it. You have to keep the whole law. You can't keep part of it. You can't say, well, God, I got 10%. Yeah, but what about the other 90? You know, it's like poison in your food. Well, there's only 10% poison. What about the other 90? That's good food. Okay, have a bite. <laughs> it's not going to work. The law can show man his answer, his need, but it cannot provide the solution. The law shows us we need a Savior, but it doesn't save us. It leads us to the Savior. And the death of Christ, it opened the way of justification by faith alone. That's what it is, by faith alone and faith alone. That's the freedom. That's the freedom, folks. Faith and faith alone. Secondly, the death of Christ is the grounds for the believer's cleansing from sin. Nothing like being washed after sin, huh? You know, you fall into sin, you feel icky, you feel lousy. But yet, what does the Bible say in 1 John 1, 7? If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And notice, it's the blood of Jesus. It cleanses us from all sin. That's what the death of Christ has done. It cleanses us from all sin. Doreen said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. God is not looking for do-gooders if they don't have faith. All your good doing isn't going to do anything. It begins with faith. Faith comes first. And then the good doing will follow. So, if we walk in the light, I like that word walk. I love to talk about it. It's a compound word, peripateo. Peri means around. You know, like periscope? Remember, upscope? You look around. Pateo means to tread or to trod. It's where we get the word podiatrist, the foot doctor. It means to walk around. So when, when it says to walk around, it has to do with our lifestyle. If our lifestyle is in the light, what will happen? Well, we'll have fellowship with one another and we'll be cleansed by the blood of Christ. Always get back to the light. That's where you go. Always get back to the light. Don't let guilt keep you from Christ. That's what he's saying. You get guilty. You fail. Don't let that guilt keep you from Christ. Get back in the light. And the blood of Christ will cleanse you from all the sin. The death of Christ thirdly permanently paid for sins. You don't have to worry about it anymore. The bill has been paid. Do you ever pay a bill? You don't worry about getting the bill back. Why? Because you paid it. So in Romans 3.25, 
whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Now, there's a lot of big words there. But what's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, God put Jesus on the cross for all the world to see. And when he put Jesus on the cross for all the world to see, he finalized the payment for sin. Sin has been paid for. And what faith does, faith appropriates that and makes it personal. See, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, but your faith appropriates it for you. In the Old Testament, animal sacrifices, they merely bought time like a credit card. You know, they sacrificed animals, and that really didn't save them, but it was a picture of what Christ would do. It's like a credit card. When you go to the store and buy something with a credit card, you really didn't pay them. You have to pay the bill when it comes in. But it bought time. It gave you 30 days to get the money, and I hope after 30 days you pay the bill. Don't be foolish and pay interest on a credit card. That is just foolishness, okay? You don't want to do that. So credit the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, they bought time, like a credit card, until Christ came. And then Christ came and boom, he paid the bill. How cool is that? What a wonderful plan that God has. So the Old Testament believers, they look forward to his coming. We as New Testament believers, we look back to the fact that he already came. Okay? Chris is on board. Thank you, Chris, for jumping in. Appreciate that. Mark too. Mark Zebriano. Phenomenal musician. Oh, guy can worship God. Guy can play. If you see him around, you go see him. Love to be in the presence of God when he plays. How about the fourth thing that Jesus' death did? You know what? It gave us a basis to know that Satan has been judged and his demons. Satan's been judged. He lost. Colossians 2 verse 15. When he disarmed the rulers, speaking of Christ and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. What's this a picture of? When Jesus died on the cross and he went to the underworld, you know what he did? He, he made a public display of his victory. When the Bible says he triumphed over them, it's the word, well, it's a funny Greek word. I didn't even want to say it. Threeambuo. But it's a word that's used to describe a festal hymn to Bacchus, the god of wine. See, a lot of the terminology that Paul used, it was Greek terminology, so they could understand. That's why it doesn't mean he's, idol he's idolatrous. It just means he's talking to an audience that could understand what he's saying. And it's simply a metaphor of a triumphant Roman general. He strips his foes, leads them as captives behind his chariots in his victory procession through the city. That's all. He's like showing off. That's what he's doing. Here's my captives. We won. That's what he's doing. And it's used to describe how God in Christ stripped the powers of evil and their control over the lives of men. We have to remember that. We have to remember that. Linda's watching. Thank you, Lynn. Mark said, Baruch Hashem. I'm not sure what that means, but it sounds good. Baruch 
Hashem. I'm going to have to learn Hebrew with this group, I'll tell you. So, the last thing I want to talk about today, the extent of the death of Christ. This is like my favorite part of the whole doctrine of the death of Christ. You know why? Because there's a very special word that's used when it talks about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, it was a tremendous event in human history. And it changed the eternal destinies of those that believe. Thank you, Mark. He translated it for me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I like that. Baruch Shem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Doreen said, victory in Jesus. Yeah, I guess she's pretty close too. So, let me ask you, how far did the work of Christ extend? You know how far? To the whole world. I'm like, are you kidding me? No. It extended to the whole world. Remember what John the Baptist said? He's in the Jordan River baptizing people. He looks up. Oh, man, here comes my cousin. Here comes Jesus. But he didn't say that. What did he say? He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, of the whole world. John understood the magnitude of the sacrifice of Christ. The Apostle John said, God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world would be saved through him. Why did Jesus come? that we would be saved through him and his work on the cross. The Apostle Paul said, God was in Christ reconciling the, what? The world to himself. Not some people, not certain people, not special people. All people. All people. Oh, good, bad, tall, short. Rich, poor, bond, free. It doesn't matter. Everybody has an opportunity to be blessed by the work of Christ on the cross. That's what makes the gospel, here it comes, good news. That's why it's so good. You know, if it wasn't for everybody, would it be good news? It'd only be good to some, but not all. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.10, It is for this that we labor and strive, because we fixed our hope on the, on the living God, who's the Savior of what? All men, especially of believers. What's going on there? He says, listen, this is what I've given my life to. I'm working for God because I got my hope fixed on Christ. He's the Savior. He died for all men, but especially those who believe, which simply means that those who believe took advantage of it. They cashed in on it. Those who don't believe they stayed lost, even though their sins were paid for. They stayed lost. But especially of believers, those are the ones that said, Oh, you know what? I want a piece of that. This forgiveness in Christ? I'll take it. I'll take the forgiveness. I'll, I, I want to be spared from the wrath to come. I want to have a relationship with God. When the Bible says He's the Savior of all men... It means there's a potential for all people to be saved. 
And when he says, especially of believers, that's the reality. The potential can become the reality. So let me ask you, everybody has the potential to be saved. But do you have the reality? That's the key. Do you have the reality? Has it become real to you? Christ did die for all. I love the verses that say it. Peter understood this, 2 Peter 2.1. False prophets also arose among them. Just as there will also be false teachers among you, he said, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. And you know what's going to happen? <laughs> they bring swift destruction upon themselves. They do. It's not a good thing to do. He that denies Christ is not wise. That's the reality. He that denies Christ, she that denies Christ, is not wise. So, okay, who can be saved? Claudia is on board. Thank you for jumping in. Who can be saved? Well, this answers two questions. Where's Jesus now? Why doesn't he come? <laughs> Everybody's asking that lately, right? The crazier things get, the more people are saying, Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. Where are you? Well, here's the answer, Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise. As some count slowness, some think he's dragging his feet. Like, come on, Jesus, we're ready. But no, this is why he hasn't come yet. He's patient toward you. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. <laughs> He's waiting for more people to get on board the gospel train. The trains are coming. He wants more people saved. He doesn't, he doesn't have joy seeing people fall into the lake of fire. He doesn't want that. And neither do we. So he's, he's, he's not slow, but he's not wishing for any to perish, for all to come to repentance. And he knows not all will, but he's just biding his time. He's, he's holding out as long as he can so more people can be saved. That's why, you see, our witness is so important. Tell people, hey, it, maybe it's this program. If it's not this program, maybe it's another Christian program. But tell your friends about programming that builds you up and get them to listen. Other programs that preach the Word of God. You know, maybe it's uh, John MacArthur, or maybe it's a Charles Stanley, or a David um, Jeremiah, or so many good teachers out there. Chuck Swindoll. Whoever your favorites are, get your friends to listen. You know why? Because God is not willing that any should perish. Any should perish. No, he's the savior of the world. And he's waiting for more people to get on board. Doreen said the Lord is compassionate, giving more people the opportunity to turn to him. It's true. It's true. Yes, some of us will have a very difficult time. We're going to go through some suffering. We're going to go through some hard times. But I'll tell you what. It's for the sake of the lost. It's so the lost can have time, hopefully, to hear the gospel. That whether it's through Christian music, Christian preaching, or your personal testimony, people will hear the gospel. 
And they'll say, yes, now I get it. Now I understand. I want some of that. And that's what God is waiting for. Joan is watching. Thank you, Joan, for coming on. So how is one saved? Here it is. Watch how easy. Look what God has done for us in Romans 10, 11. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Now, you know what that word disappointed means? To miss an appointment. <laughs> you ever miss an appointment? How that feel? Not too good. Well, whoever believes in him will not miss their appointment with God. How about that? We all have an appointment with God, and if you believe, you're not going to miss it. Paul said later on in Romans 10, 13, whoever, there's my favorite word, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I like that word, whoever. I'm a whoever. You're a whoever. People you work with are a whoever. People who like you are a whoever. People who don't like you are a whoever. Everybody's a whoever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the extent of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Joan said, in every hard time, there's a worthy message. That's true, Joan. It's true. You know what we have to do in our hard, difficult times? Here it is. And it's not easy to do, but we have to remind ourselves to do it. Look for the hidden hand of God. God's hand is in it. Ah, somehow, some way, His hand is in it. We have to look for it. And you know what we'll find? Comfort. Peace. You might even find a little joy. Who knows? Whoever denies the Son, John said, does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father. Can't get any simpler than that, right, Mark? Amen, he said, yeah. That's it. There's the gospel. I mean, in like two little bits, there it is. You can't get any easier. First John 4, 15, great scriptures to write down. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. See, here's a message that you can archive. This will be archived on Facebook and YouTube. Share it. This is the gospel message that people need to hear. Share it with your friends. You know why? Because you love them. You love your friends. That's why they're your friends. Share it with them. I don't know. You send it to them. Get them to go look at it on YouTube and Facebook. Because this is the gospel message. John said in 1 John 5, 1, Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. So what's he saying? Now he's saying, okay, you gotta, if you love God, you've got to love the Son. A lot of people say, I love God, but I don't want Jesus. No, you can't do that either. You can't do that either. And you know what? I lost track of time. Thank you for coming along. I'll see you next time.